Thank you for listening and welcome to the Life Radio Show, a proud member of the SJ Network and Realm of the Mist Entertainment. I'm your host, Don Smith. It's getting spooky in here with the director of Babysitter Massacre, Henrik Kuto, in as guest co-host. We team up with C.J. Graham, one of the men behind the mask of Jason Voorhees. If you enjoy the show, like and follow The Life 106.9 on Facebook and Don Smith Comedy on Twitter. Or tune in live on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. Or you can stream the show live at WWSU1069.org. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. The Life Radio Show is now brought to you in part by the Nurses Guild of Florida, experts in home health care. Go to thenursesguild.com for more information. This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner. All right. Hey, welcome to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We are zooming right along once again today in the uh, in the world of COVID. I have uh, uh, two uh, two fine folks on me with this evening. I have Henrik Kuto, a local filmmaker in the area, responsible for a lot of a lot of really fun movies. Some of which I've got to be in. It's true. It's it's <laughs> true. Yeah. And uh, would would you would you say one of the ones you're best known for is Babysitter Massacre? Is that mm-hmm. Without a doubt, Babysitter Massacre is definitely the uh, the linchpin of my career, and I'm not embarrassed to say that. It just sounds funny when you put it that way, but uh, no, I think that's definitely the one that people are aware of. Yeah, because you have so many out there, but that's that's just one that sticks with you. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> and my my other guest is none other than Jason Voorhees himself, because it's it's October and we're we're going to get creepy. We have C.J. Graham. Welcome to the show, sir. See, it's, well, we're interviewing Jason, so he doesn't talk. That's <laughs> yeah, how it works, guys. I, just, I don't say a word, and the interview's perfect. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's exactly what I thought would happen interviewing Jason. It just, it's yeah, real you quiet. Know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm auditioning. What if you need somebody in this film? I want to make sure I got perfect, perfect phrases. I got this. That's true. Okay, well, cool, cool. What? Well, <laughs> We'll we'll match you guys up. So you you were you were Jason in which of the Friday the Thirteenth movies? Well, there's only one out there. It's Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. There were no others. It was just the okay. One. That's okay. All the rest of them were just what just practices till they got the right Jason. Well, yeah, those were practice franchises until Part <laughs> Six. Then everything around it is just inner circle. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Well, how did you get how did you get picked for the role of the one and only Jason Voorhees? You know, I, I, I got to be fair. Sometimes there's luck involved in opportunity, and I mean that respectfully. Um, I was general manager of a nightclub in Los Angeles. Uh, I had a hypnotist show coming in on Thursday nights, and the gentleman wanted to have a production company actually shoot his show so he could get some tape out there. And the company that came in was called Real Effects. They just happened to be the special effects people that did part four with Ted White. So they kind of had a, an idea. Let's put uh, CJ in Ted uh, White's wardrobe because he's the same size, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, ish. And when I say the rest is history, believe it or not, it really is. Here we are three decades later talking about this iconic image. 
Yeah, that well, it it is definitely one of the one of the main iconic horror images. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm very fortunate. You, you don't know, you really don't know what you don't know, and and I know that sounds corny, but you know some of the things that we've done, like this was in 1986, and uh, you know, and, and you can appreciate this also. It's like if you know India. I always say India's probably got 1.3, 1.4 billion people, and if you take an eight by ten picture of Tom Cruise over there. Everybody's going to tell you Tom Cruise. You take an eight by ten picture of C.J. Graham. They're going to just shrug their shoulders, scratch their head. But if you flip it over to a Jason hockey mask, they'll all say Jason Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's definitely definitely one of the best known uh, horror movies in the and world. I think. Who knew? I mean, I mean that respectfully. Who knew? And humbly appreciative for all the legions of fans and. You know, even though I, I razz, you know, that there's only part six and nothing else, you know, <laughs> Kane and a few of the other men, Derek Mears, uh, et cetera, have just done an amazing job out there uh, with the franchise. And I'm just fortunate to be one of the few, very few that have been fortunate enough to be Jason. Yeah, yeah. And it, it all started in a nightclub where they just said, you're the same size, let's dress him up. And that's... <laughs> that's a fact. That's... And, uh, Never that, had done that in my life anything until that movie, and all of a sudden I was being set on fire, going through <laughs> walls, doors, twenty feet underwater, breathing off regulators, and uh, maybe some of that was luck. Maybe some of it was just skill, you know, being ex-military. Um, yeah. I just go ahead and stand up straight and say thank you very much, and I, I mean that. I'm very humbly appreciative of the fans. Well, yeah, it, it says on your IMDb it says additional stunt, stunts and uncredited. Did you do all your own? <laughs> Every stunt is me. That's oh, the, wow. the one of the that was one of the requirements. They wanted for a person that could do all the stunts. And uh, unbeknownst to me, I didn't think anything of it when they, you know, told me what I was going to do. I just thought oh, I can do this. <laughs> yeah, I was eleven Bravo. I was in the infantry. You know, I can do this. So uh, I did. I was very fortunate. I didn't fall down. I didn't get hurt. I didn't hurt anybody else, which is more important to me. Yeah. Those actors and actresses trusted me to control their bodies physically, to throw their faces at a camera, hold them underwater so they couldn't breathe, pick them, throw a knife at them, and stop within a five, six inch radius so we could then back the shot up. Um, so I, I really got to say thank you to them for trusting me. And, and again, like I said, none of us got hurt, and that's what's important. Yeah, that's that's a lot of trust right there. Because I've been on, I've been doing some fight scene. I haven't been doing them because I'm too damn fat. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> a film I'm working on now, there's a fight scene filmed a couple weeks ago, and somebody uh, accidentally got kicked in the face. So yeah, sometimes you got to. <laughs> you know, it it does happen, and and I will say, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, with all my stunts and things I did. But I had a, a stunt coordinator who walked me through everything, you know, and psychologically, I was always prepared for it. Physically, I was in pretty good shape, I thought. So it was more of a, I can do this and being a little cocky, you know, you're in your mid twenties. Hey, you know, I can, I can fly through the air. You know, I thought I was fast and furious. Uh, but I will tell you again, you know, that's, I think that's one of the draws to the films that we're talking about. Um, I think it's because there's no green screen. There's not people jumping out of an airplane and then, jumping from a car to a car to a tank and then on their feet and standing up and going, okay, I'm ready for the next fight scene. It's there's some reality to Jason or Michael Myers. Uh, yeah. When you see them walking down, 
the street, you really can get freaked out. Yeah, because I mean, not to not to say the supernatural realm of it is is believable, but as far as the actual the, the actual death and murder, very believable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I uh, but I, I do I, I I do believe you know I'm very fortunate with part six. That's why I I believe that. Part six was kind of the hub where Jason became a principal and it really became about the character of Jason. Um, I get to have a James Bond opening. I get to, I get to come back to life like Frankenstein universal studios. I get to have a rock and roll hall of famer do all the music, Alice Cooper. And I get to wear, I get to wear a Batman utility belt. How cool is that? (laughs) Really? I, it's it's been so long since I've, since I've seen part six that I, I I completely forget. You have a Batman utility belt as Jason. That's that, that's true. What what all was on it? <laughs> there were well, there was a machete, eighteen inch machete. There were darts, if you may recall, and there was a hunting knife. And basically, it was a web belt from the Vietnam era uh, army, you know, mm-hmm. that soldiers wore, and then. Like I said, the darts were used to throw the, uh, if you take a look at the knife, it's a hunting knife, very similar to what Rambo uses. And of course, your standard 18-inch military issue, Jenny. <laughs> right. Every, everything that you would need to go on a rampage. That's You know, I always want to be prepared. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that's like I said, that's why I carry a machete in my car. You never know, you never know when you're going to have a flat tire in the jungle. Well, you might have to clean your fingernails. Right. Well, that too. Yeah. Might, might have, you know, piece pulled pork between my teeth or something after lunch. You got, you got to get it out of there. That'd look good. Yep. Yep. You got to take care of them teeth. <laughs> so, well, like I, like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen, that's why I invited Henrik on because he, he is a, a horror movie fanatic and a horror movie uh, filmmaker as well. I actually just got my, uh, my big Friday the 13th box just a few days ago. The, the new box set. Nice. I, I, I understand it was coming out. It looks like it's pretty intense and complete, I guess is a good way to put it. So that's nice. Yeah, it's it's an incredible piece of art. It really is. Uh, I was uh, I ordered mine the first two hours that it was available. So I got mine, I believe it was last Tuesday, so a week early, because tomorrow is the official release day. Tomorrow, the uh, uh, 13th of October. And uh, my goodness, uh, <laughs> it's, it's what a spread. Uh, all of those films have a special place in my heart in different ways. And uh, one thing I've really noticed uh, having grown up with those movies is, uh, you know, you're really fortunate to get to be Jason in part six because part six is the one that the the fans of the series fall more and more in love with because it was kind of a love letter to the movies that, pre- that were uh, before it. it. It was self-referential in a way the other Friday the 13th hadn't really had an opportunity to be. Um, and in some ways, you know, I mean, there was a lot of, of good humor and comedy in there and, but surprisingly it actually made Jason scarier, uh, instead of making him goofy, it made him more, more, uh, fearful. Yeah, you're right, Henry, because, uh, part six, that's where I kind of think at the hub of the series, uh, Tom McLaughlin, writer, director did throw a little humor. Um, he was instructed by Frank Mancuso Jr. at Paramount Studios that he could throw a little twist in there, but don't make fun of Jason. And the kind of the comments he put in there, like, you know, interesting enough, one of the little boys, when they jumped under the uh, bunk, said, well, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> uh, those little sarcastic. Now, my point about that is I just did a Zoom interview with about four or five cast members, including Tom Matthews, Tom Finley, 
uh, and uh, a couple others, Nancy. And that young man was on the Zoom interview, which is now a, you know, what, 35-year-old, 40, about a 44-year-old man now. Um, and he was there, and it was just kind of interesting to see the young man. And I didn't know that the other young man of the bunk was his brother. So I found that out during the interview process here in the last couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's some really cute stories. Uh, do you remember the blonde girl that I leaned over and looked at her kind of like Frankenstein and then she started praying. Yeah. The, yeah. The little girl uh, who, who uh, closes her eyes for a little while and yeah. prays. True story. I just got a call from Tom McLaughlin two weeks ago and she is now 40 something and has a six year old son. And though he's not seen Friday the 13th, he wanted a hockey mask. He did not want a white one from target. He wanted a real looking hockey mask. She contacted Tom. Tom contacted me. And I have a couple that I use for wardrobe photos that are top gun. Mm -hmm. um, so I said, you know what? I'll send you one, Tom. I mean, it's, I signed the inside. I sent it to Tom. He got it on Saturday. He sent it back out today. And it's going back to that young lady who's about 44-ish uh, to give to her six-year-old son. So go figure. <laughs> well, Jason's the gift that keeps on giving. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> you know, and I mean that when I say I'm very appreciative. It was unexpected. Um, you know, places I go and people I see, I'm shocked how many people know who Jason is, not just by the hockey mask, but actually a name. Um, I've been to going through the airport and a TSA agent look at my name and go, are you the guy who played Jason? And I'm just like, yeah, how did you know? Oh, my God, I'm a big fan. And this is TSA. Now, this people are, number one, they're doing their job. They're looking at the name. But to connect the dots between C.J. Graham and Jason Voorhees, I was impressed myself. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, as a fan of the series, the moment that Don said C.J. Graham was on the show, was immediate, I was immediately like, oh, part six, Jason, immediately. So uh, the fans especially, we remember. You know, we remember who played Jason in which movie. Um, right. Yeah. It's not yeah. all Kane Hodder. We don't all remember just Kane. <laughs> who? <laughs> Let me, I got some wax in my ear. Oh, yeah, there you go. Say that again. What? <laughs> uh, one thing I will tell you, though, Kane and I are very good friends. I just saw him about eight, nine, ten days ago. I had to do a gig in L.A. and uh, an interview that, for a, a, a project. And Kane came in right after me. Uh, it was a documentary project. Um, and I waited for him to see him to say hi. So I do, I will say, you know, Kane did four of them. He's been a great, great ambassador for the series. I mean, he's poured his heart and soul into the character all these years, these decades. Um, you know, and I, I mean that respectfully. I'm very happy to be, you know, a friend of his. I see Derek Mears periodically, and, you know, he worked really hard in the 09 project, as I've seen Ken. I haven't seen Ted White for a couple of years. You know, he's, he's getting a little older now. Uh, Ari periodically, of course. And, of course, we lost Steve Dash two years ago. And I see Warrington. In fact, I'll see Warrington uh, this Friday in Las Vegas. Oh, cool. The Brotherhood of Jason. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think they call it a fraternity. So, no, that's a perfect phrase for yeah, it. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, checking your IMDb, uh, Friday the 13th Vengeance. That's the one that just uh, from uh, 2019, you played Elias Voorhees. Yeah, that I was an you know, they, they, it's a fan film, and today's fan films, Henry, you may know a little bit more 
um, from your roots to where you are today, but those fan films have become very, very successful. Technology has advanced so well uh, from a cost perspective. And there's so many people that are so talented that want to be involved for the credits so they can build their resume, so to speak. Uh, they contacted me to play Elias Voorhees, uh, Jason's father, kind of going back to what part six had thought about closing with the part about Jason's father, which a few people know, like Tom McLaughlin. Um, I took the part as a project. I worked on it with Steve Dash. Uh, both of us uh, contributed our, our, our wages to uh, um, a burn unit up in Seattle, Washington. It wasn't really something that we went to make money for, either one of us. Right. And the kind of nice thing is I, got, you know, I grew my beard for four months. Uh, they put a stringy wig on me and this big old long trench coat. It looked like a backhoe country boy. And it was pretty sweet. You know, I mean, it really is a good-looking character if you take a look at it. I mean, it's 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 menacing, and it it has some merit to put a twist a twist into the next Friday the Thirteenth, uh, Part Thirteen of the Father of the background. We all know about Mom, you know, but the Father's got the sick twist to it. So it was fun. Had a good time. See, I'm such a nerd. I read the novelization of Part Six, which still had the Elias Voorhees stuff in it. So I remember. Right. Right. <laughs> So for me, it was just a pleasure because uh, I played opposite of uh, Jason Brooks, and he's relatively the same size. So when we put face-to-face, -face, father looking at dad and dad looking at Jason and back and forth, you may recall those times you've been scoring off with your father when you were a young man and how it went. <laughs> Usually not well. <laughs> but we had a good time with it. Um, it's now out on DVD and stuff, and I know uh, Jason's real proud of the work. They've asked me. If I'd entertain uh, next year, maybe doing a, a Vengeance Bloodline. And, you know, I told him I'd look at an interest at it. We'll look at it 2021 and see where it goes. Awesome. No, I actually did catch that fan film. There have been a few really cool fan films over the last few years in particular. Because, yeah, as the, like you said, as the technology has gotten better, um, it's more, you know, you can take a small amount of money and a hell of a lot of passion and make something really cool and really fun. Yeah, you're right. The passion is the key word there because there are so many special effects people that are have gotten so good and want to participate in a film. And there's so many actors and actresses that are trying to get a little extra tape and uh, camera opportunity. Henry, you know that. And oh, yeah. with that comes some very talented people. Um, the nice thing about the Vengeance, you know, like you said, there's uh, Never Hike Alone. Tom Matthews is involved in that one. Yes. Uh, been a couple out there that have been reasonably well shot and done and more importantly after 10 years of not having a, a major production they've been received very well by the fans well it's definitely gauging uh i'm sure that uh people who care about such things are seeing the uh the interest in the ip and that could encourage down the line something to happen uh in the official canon of friday the 13th because it has been a really long time since we've had an entry um it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, there are some, and, and I don't know the details. You know, I ran casino resorts as a chief operating officer, general manager for the last 25 years. So I wasn't really engaged in, you know, the filmmaking side of what was going on. I was, you know, running a billion dollar resort with 22, 2300 employees, um, suit and tie kind of guy. Um, but I, I know there's some challenges between Mr. Cunningham and Mr. Miller, and there's some mm -hmm. difference of opinion. And until those two are able to resolve that, I mean, we're kind of at a, a standstill. Now, I, as a business guy, and I don't have all the answers. I'm just like anybody else. 
armchair quarterback is easy because I yeah. wasn't involved. And so I always say that before I say this. However, if it were me, I'd go ahead and get $5 million, $8 million from uh, somebody, shoot the movie, maybe shoot two of them, put them in the can, and release one. And instead of money being distributed to Mr. Miller or Mr. Cunningham, put it into a trust because the funds will be there eventually. Um, the point is the fans who made this series franchise what it is doesn't mean they're always going to be there. And you want to remember the tens of millions and millions of dollars that have come through um, the box office as a result of your fans. Don't forget your fans. They made us. They can also break you. Yeah, definitely. But I also think, you know, if, if there's $100 million in a trust account, two people might come to terms, even if it's just for one movie. Yeah. You know, right. we're at 50 <laughs> we'll go on and argue about the next one. But, and if you shot a couple in a row, Henry, you know, you've already got all the people there. You've already got the production crews, catering and everybody. Uh, you know, you could can one and put it on the shelf and distribute one for now. Yeah, no. And, and, and frankly, it's kind of unheard of uh, how long this dispute has actually continued to go on and on. Um, usually they don't go on this long by any stretch. Yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, um, the gentleman that was in part three, Larry, uh, yeah. he's a young man that introduced the hockey mask to the series, uh, uh, non-discretion. And he just went, Hey, let's put a hockey mask. Um, Larry's an attorney. I don't know if you know that in Los Angeles. Yeah, he's an entertainment attorney. Yes, and he reviews it. and there, it, It's been favored one time, one direction, then the other direction, and it's still just on an appeal process. I don't really know enough to be dangerous. I can tell you the business side. Like I said, hey, I know we can make money right now and just put it into a trust. We can pay back the uh, investors, $8 million, plus we can guarantee them. I don't know. Let's guarantee them another $8 million just because and take the first $16 million and give it to them, the investors. The rest goes into the trust and we'll go from there. You're, you're kind of taking care of both sides. Monetarily, you put money out there into the bank. You're taking care of investors making money. But as more important, your fans are getting a product today while you decide what's right or wrong. And I don't know what's right or wrong. I don't know what's indifferent, to be quite honest. Um, but Larry's very much on top of it. And he, he does some good interviews of what's going on to keep everybody in tune. Yeah, he's definitely who I've been turning to for, you know, a breakdown because luckily, luckily, my experience with litigation and show business has been minimal and I'd like to keep it that way for as long as possible. But, uh, but it's definitely complex. I know things have gotten really complex ever since they made that law that allows authors to, after a certain amount of time, I believe it's over 30 years, uh, they're allowed to, to attempt to reclaim their, their intellectual property which is what Victor Miller is trying to do. Uh, but then, then it becomes really tricky because it's only in the United States. Um, so right. even if he did reclaim Friday the 13th, it would only be in the U.S. Sean Cunningham would still, they would have to go through him to sell over, you know, overseas and, and stuff like that. And that makes it even more complicated, which may be one of the reasons that it's just a knockdown drag out. Um, it's, it's a tough time. <laughs> Yeah, and like I said, it's too bad because the fans are the ones that put us on the board. And I never want to forget when I ran casino resorts, yeah, 22, 23, maybe even 2,400 employees at a time. My employees made me a great leader because they believed in me. I always made sure the team was taken care of as well as possible and above the most because those folks would have laid down a cut finger and gone to work for me because we worked so closely. I think you have to remember the people that put us in these seats, um, like, you know, doing this with you guys, you know, 
you guys helped put us here. You know, and it's an honor for me to be on the show and be talking to everybody and going through this process. Definitely. You know, it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I, I was curious about the, the as far as the fan films. How do they how do they get around copyright infringement and issues like that? Just out of curiosity, I my understanding and Henry you maybe know more than I'm sure you know the one I do, but my understanding is a small loophole because they're actually not um, well. The the money is not there. Like the Friday the Thirteenth game that became so successful, um, it's been shut down as a result. There's no new content being added mm -hmm. to. It. Uh, that's because it went from maybe a few hundred thousand dollar moneymaker to a few million dollar moneymaker. And as soon as that happens, then, of course, um, the captains of the world put lawsuits and stop everything. So I think it's such a small factor. You know, um, most of these films are 50 to 100 thousand dollars in cost. Um, I don't know what the ROI is, to be fair. Um, so I, a return on the investment, the ROI, I don't know. Uh, if they're even worth, you know, retaining an attorney just to put a stop to them. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah, I was just yeah. curious. <laughs> they exist in a they exist in a legal gray area. Um, for like generally speaking, the way you get away with a fan film is you're giving it away for free. Pretty much, uh, yes. Yeah. So now you can run like a crowdfunding campaign, but no one is given. Nobody is buying the movie. They're buying credits on the movie, thanks is on the movie, posters from the movie, but never anything that directly sells the intellectual property that they are representing from their fan perspective. And then from there, it also take it's also a bit of whimsy too. Uh, some studios, I, you're not going to get away with a Mickey Mouse fan film. It ain't happening, you know. But but some intellectual properties where the companies aren't quite so, uh, you know, steel gripped and. Uh, <laughs> Like the, right. like the Disney Corporation, they're much more likely to kind of go, you know what, this is just making people happy and making them remember how much they like this IP anyway, so let it go. And that's generally how most fan films uh, exist in the world, as my, my understanding. Yeah, so it's a pretty so my, my, my live action fan film of uh, uh, Donald Duck so I can run around pantsless for a couple hours isn't going to work, is what you're saying. Well, I mean, you might make a lot of money before it gets shut down, at least, you know. <laughs> Henry, I don't think we should entertain Don about uh, not wearing pants. <laughs> That's, no, you're right. It's not a good idea. <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how we went from Friday the 13th in films to not wearing pants. But <laughs> Don, we got, we got to talk, buddy. <laughs> That's, it's, it's been a long week. <laughs> Okay, well, we can go back to Friday the 13th. How many, how many actually are there in the official canon? Well, I guess you could define official. There, if you want to count Freddy versus Jason, I believe there are 12. Okay. Okay, yeah, I was not sure. And I believe if, I'm, if you want to put that in the circle, um, so that theoretically would make the next one the most important, part mm -hmm. 13. Right. That would and have I, to be that's that. an important. Yeah, that's an important feature. If you're going to do it, do it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, but, but no plans. Too much infighting to get the plans made for that one. You know, I, I, I will tell you, Tom McLaughlin, the writer-director of Part 6, has written a new script. He's uh, done some interviews about it, and uh, he's got some a great script he's put together. He's talked about, you know, he's working diligently to – he knows Mr. Cunningham, Mr. Miller, obviously, and see what he can do on his side, but – uh, Tom has a great one, which includes some side twists 
of Jason and there's some clauses about Jason's father. And I think Tom has a good skill set for that uh, series. Um, entertainment wise, I think if whoever does the next one or two, hopefully they'll let him do a couple of them. Hopefully they'll use the same Jason a couple times for, for body presence, uh, continuity purposes, and try to get a, a real theme that goes from the next 13 to 14 to 15 that has some continuity, not just with the Jason character and size, but the storyline. I think it's important to really, I think at first, you know, it was like all over the board and even so in the last two or three, but it's time if you bring it into a real series and we've learned this with all the, the star Wars, all the franchise for uh, fast and furious. If you really start looking at these series that have been successful, there's a connectivity from one to one rather than just arbitrarily all over the place. Yeah, definitely. Well, and Blumhouse is doing it, you know, right now with Halloween. They gave us Halloween, uh, the most recent Halloween movie, and now they're going to give us two more. Same teams, same cast, uh, same relative feel, and an arc, hopefully. I mean, obviously we haven't seen either of them, and we won't be seeing uh, the latest one for quite a while. Um, But, uh, no, it's definitely, and that's definitely shown that, you know, that that IP, there's still... There are still fans who are super into it. And same with, uh, you mentioned the Friday 13th video game, which I was an, uh, I still play it every now and then, but I was an avid player of it that first year when it was all, you know, so new and fresh playing it with my friends and stuff. The attention to detail, the, uh, the love for the uh, stories and the love for the characters, uh, and then the love for the game itself based on all of that passion. Uh, just, you know, definitely tells me why they're fighting so hard over the IP. Because clearly it's, you know... Uh, like Jason itself, this is a great soundbite. Like Jason itself, it will not die. <laughs> so, well, you know that's the interesting thing about you know the way Tom McLaughlin put Part Six together. Once Part Six came online with the Frankenstein mentality, with the exception of total dismemberment of Jason, uh, and then you could flip into a DNA cell. But with without the total dismemberment of Jason, he is now non-stoppable, and he can continue. Uh, because of the electricity factor. And if you go back to the original Frankensteins in the 50s and 60s, there were several body parts put together to make Frankenstein. And that's kind of what Tom was going for when he came back to life. He is now fully electrical, nonstop. And the other factor was that you could tell Jason started to think a little bit. There was some connectivity between brain cells, very similar to the Frankenstein of the 60s. Hmm. Yeah, Jason's definitely a bit more... um... I'm trying to think of the word, deliberate in, uh, in part six and on. Right. Now you were mentioning Halloween and, you know, you know, Halloween, Michael Myers, you know, he's a cousin of Jason, of course, you know, there's, there's some DNA connectivity there, obviously, but I always want to remind you guys that real men, real men use a machete, (laughs) not an outback steak knife. That is, that is very true. (laughs) Forget that. And, don't ever forget that. Although they do complain a little bit at uh, at the outback when you pull out the machete to chop up your blooming onion. That's <laughs> you know what, and who blooming cares, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I think we're going to take a short break uh, so I can break this up and get it out over the radio. Uh, this is a pretend break because I'm just going to edit everything in later. I'm really just going to go get a drink. But uh, we will be back. <laughs> We will be back here shortly uh, with more from C.J. Graham and Henry Kuto. Don't go anywhere. You know, a lot of people tell me, say, hey, hey, you know what? All I need 
Because I just need, you know, uh, somebody to, you know, uh, come fix all my problems. I just need, uh, I just need to win the lottery or, you know, some uh, magical, mystical uh, person come and solve all my problems. Well, I'd suggest maybe you ought to just think about just becoming your own uh, superhero. Be become, the, become the hero of your own story. You can do it. Nothing's stopping you except you. So just, uh, you know, just kind of get your belly aching crap and just just say, okay, well, what do we got to do? And just, you know, do it. Become, become the hero of your own story. Okay? Goodbye. Collected Halloween Biggest bag of candy I had ever seen Had to have it x-rayed before I had a treat To be sure a psycho hadn't put a razor in my sweets Ooh, hear the ghosts and the goblins cry They get to wishing for the days gone by When the little kids were frightened it is said Only by the ghouls who were dead Scare the preppies at the Gap Especially if your costume isn't politically correct The mall can't give up candy Because of a lawsuit that they had But here's a coupon for a futon In the bottom of your bag Who hear the ghosts and the goblins cry They get to wishing for the days gone by When the little kids were frightened It said Only by the ghouls who were dead Ninja in a down coat at four in the afternoon. Who hear the ghosts and the goblins cry? They get to wishing for the days gone by when the little kids were frightened and said, Only by the ghouls who were dead. Who hear the ghosts and the goblins cry? They get to wishing for the days gone by when the little kids were frightened and said, by the ghouls who were dead Who hear the ghosts and the goblins cry They get to wishing for the days gone by When the little kids were frightened and sad
the ghouls who were dead Only by the ghouls who were dead Only by the ghouls who were dead Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris Ristali of Breaking the Fourth Wall. If you enjoy our show, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment or just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And also, you can find us on all the social medias. Just look for Realm of the Mist Entertainment. And I will catch you on the other side. The following is an important message from the Nurses Guild of Florida. We know COVID has many scared, and many of our seniors are even afraid to go to the doctors. Just the thought of being exposed to all the people in the waiting room, in addition to the doctor's staff, is a risk many don't want to take right now. However, putting off health care makes most conditions worse. The Nurses Guild has the solution. One that exposes you to just one person. Call your doctor's office and have them order a nursing assessment from the Nurses Guild. We are a five-star Medicare home health agency. Your registered nurse in full PPE will perform a full head-to-toe assessment, vital signs and medication review, pulse oximetry, even an EKG if needed. Lab work and x-rays can also be done at home. Our registered nurse will discuss all of this strictly and directly with your doctor and get you results. All of our nurses and home health aides are fully screened, supervised, and COVID tested. Call the Nurses Guild today to arrange your home health visit at 954-596-9806 in Broward County and 561-826-8937 in Palm Beach County. Remember, health care put off is health care too late. Stay safe during the pandemic. Wear a mask and insist those around you wear a mask. Wash your hands frequently and stay home as much as possible. Hey, this is Don Smith. I want to take a minute to tell you about The Devil's Apple, a new book by my friend William Morris. It's the true and brutally honest story about Bill's own battle with addiction. It was written for those struggling to overcome addiction as well as those watching a loved one struggle. In Bill's own words, you work just as hard to be an addict as you do to be clean and sober. You can find The Devil's Apple on Amazon.com and for a limited time you can get it for free on the Kindle app. Ah, you fool! You fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less well-known is this. Never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We're rolling right along. Uh, during the break, we were talking about all the wonderful things that got canceled this year. <laughs> Just, 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 just to, just to perk us up and and uh, make us re- remember to never forget, I guess. Uh, my <laughs> guest is on uh, uh, C.J. Graham and Jason Voorhees from Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, uh, the most important one, according to both of them, according to both uh, he and Henrik. So, <laughs> uh, Henrik Kuto also on the line with me. Uh, so, uh, as far as far as all the things that got canceled, I mean, what? When are when do we think we're getting those back? When do we think we're going to start getting back into the world? Well, from my perspective, the conventions, um, most of the conventions are just relining for 2021. Um, so I'm very confident that regardless, as we start to get more, the normalization of what we have to do to maintain our health, our safety, 
it's just going to be the way it is with or without a virus. You, you can't just lock yourself in a closet. So, right. uh, you know, personally, you know, uh, this weekend I'll be going to Las Vegas to do a convention. Uh, I, I did do one a couple months ago and uh, the promoter was very good about everybody got temperature checks at the door, cleaning that stuff at your hands for the tables. Every time you sign something, we all wore masks, including the fans. We still took pictures wearing masks. Um, I, they did everything they could feasibly to keep everybody safe while still having a good time. And surprisingly, the show was very successful, very successful. So Again, this weekend, I'll be in Las Vegas doing a Days of the Dead show, plug, plug. Um, and the nice thing about that, I'll be there. Tom Matthews is going to be there. And, of course, Warrington's going to be there. And there'll be quite a few other celebrities from the Warriors. Remember the show back in the uh, 70s? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of those guys and girls will be there. So it should be pretty fun. Same thing. They'll be practicing all the safety that we can do. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. I mean... The nice thing about it is everybody's on board with practicing the safety and being healthy. And that's most important. Nobody's walking around with an attitude about, well, my rights. Well, what about my rights? So we're all trying to accommodate each other. And I think that's the most key factor because everybody's trying to accommodate each other. Yeah, I, I think that's the important thing. If, if we're wanting to get back all the things that we enjoy to do on a regular basis, we're going to have to make that make that minor little sacrifice right now. And hopefully get this all behind us. Well, and, yeah. and one of the things uh, on my end, I've been trying to get a new movie off the ground because, I mean, literally, eventually, you know, I've got to make my car payment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I got I to gotta make a new movie. And uh, we, we've been working on a, uh, you know, a uh, distanced movie via webcam, which uh, I've already dipped my toe in found footage style movies before. So, you know, it wasn't a huge change. But uh, right now, I'm uh, about to get the financing to make my first kind of narrative movie since COVID, but we had to be creative about it. We had to come up with a story that is small enough to keep the cast small, to keep the crew small, to do it in the safest possible way, you know, Uh, and it's been a challenge, but I mean, making movies for used car prices is already... (laughs) And then making a living off of them is already a challenge. So, uh, you know, it was, it, this is just another thing we gotta, we gotta kind of deal with as we go. And, uh, you know, that's really all I, all I know. Well, I, I will tell you, you know, the big boys, Paramount and, uh, the series Yellowstone shoots up here in Montana, mm-hmm. uh, outside Bozeman. Uh, my understanding is through good resources, they actually come in and everybody's locked down through the uh, filming of the series and then released. Um, so they've actually went to that extent. And, you know, the, not that you can lock everybody down, but if you can get everybody in the same area for a two-week window or three-week window to shoot the film and lock them down, you know. And, you know, the other thing is, and, and Henry, I'm just spitting on the wall right now when mm-hmm. you said that. Do you remember, you know, the films that have been done with people walking around with cameras in the woods, paranormal and stuff? Oh, Yeah. How cool would that be to do a film with four or five actors uh, in a paranormal or not necessarily, but a series where they're actually filming themselves and it's happening behind them and they're getting cut off to the next one. And it's rolling over to the next person. Um, interesting concept in similarities. Uh, remember the one with the Blair Witch, if I remember correctly, mm. was it yeah. Blair Witch? Blair that, Witch how cool that was? Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
if you could shoot something like a Blair Witch Project where all your actors and actresses are doing something like that in a wooded area, um, that would be kind of cool, different. Exactly. Kind of cool. And you use, you use the limitations to your advantage. Correct. Uh, and and that's there. the big thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the project that we're, we're talking uh, about doing right now, we actually figured out a way to, <laughs> to literally use every member of the crew will appear on camera in some way in order to, like, uh, to keep everybody who is involved in the production below 10, just below 10 people, literally nine people total, which is not, it's crazy small, but it's not impossible to do. But it's been interesting, like, doing, you know, yeah, being as creative as you can, coming up with a story that works with very few characters that you like and that you're into. Um, so, yeah, just another challenge. Just another. But usually my challenges aren't based on, like, global health concerns. They're usually based on something a little bit, you know, right. lighter hearted, but still. Yeah, usually you don't have to put together eight or ten people. You have a hundred people knocking at your door. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, that, there's a project, actually, it's no, it, no joke, it's Babysitter Massacre 2. We financed that on Kickstarter, and we were supposed to start shooting the middle of this summer, <laughs> which yeah. obviously did not happen. Um, and that has been one of the biggest challenges, is every time I sit down with it, I don't want to take it back to the drawing board. It's one of those where, I mean, a day might have 30, 40, 50 people. Um, right. And if I shrink it down, is it even the movie I want to do? So then I, I start to feel guilty, because I'm like, okay, well, do I either get the movie done sooner, or do I just wait until I can do it right. Or, you know, so those are the, the struggles uh, of an indie filmmaker when they're just, you know, stuck yeah. at home trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Yeah, I, th- I think with that one, if you're going to, if you're going to make a run at a franchise with babysitter massacre, you're going to want to make sure it's right. Now then and it's my, you know, it's mine. It's my IP. It's my, you know, my, uh, you talk about, I mean, although it's not as strong an example, I mean, it's only seven years ago that babysitter massacre came out but it was the last uh, independent movie on the shelves of Blockbuster. And I had no idea. I mean, I made it for like no money on a, you know, very inexpensive camera. We all just busted our butts. And uh, when I, uh, I did a, we did a limited edition Blu-ray and it sold out in like a week and a half. And then uh, I threw a Kickstarter saying, let's do uh, a part two and three back to back. And we were funded in the day in two and a half days. It was insane. So I never thought people would remember it, you know, much. I just hoped they'd like it and then forget about it, which is kind of any humble filmmaker's goal is they're like, I hope someone likes this. They can immediately forget that they ever saw it, but I hope they like it while they're watching. <laughs> well, I think, you know, like you said, I mean, the, uh, the Vengeance film was shot deliberately with top of the line digital cameras, but at the same time was they, they use lenses and stuff to give it an 80s flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the intent that it wasn't a perfectly uh, shot film, that there was some of that uh, 80s vibe to it, the VHS cameras and stuff like that. So I think that's really what brings the fans into a film of that magnitude is because it is so real. It's something that, like I said, you open up the door and Jason is standing there or you see Michael Myers standing in a window. That's some scary ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do, I mean this respect, but I do love all the films that have all the uh, green screens and this and that, people doing backflips and somersaults and this and that. That's great. Don't take it wrong. Uh, but the interesting thing is it's not real. I mean, it, I love, the interesting thing I say it, it is, you know, hockey mask, Michael Myers mask, Freddy Krueger mask, Leatherface mask. Um, interesting, all your movies out right now, all your people from DC and all the different, <laughs> they're wearing masks. Yeah, 
everybody from Supergirl to Arrow. <laughs> they all got masks on. So, you know, the 80s, nobody wanted to wear a mask. Everybody wanted their face to be seen. In today, it's kind of a split. You, you know, you look at uh, all the different people playing the Hulk and the people that are, are playing different warriors and Thor. And, and everybody's got some type of a, a mask or a costume on. You know, it's, it's all a little different compared to what it was. I think people are embracing the old school. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're going to cover a cu- just a couple of news stories that I pulled up here. Cause I, I think uh, one in particular is very important while we have, uh, while we have Jason Voorhees uh, and zoom with us. Uh, so if you guys are okay with that, we'll hit a couple of news stories real quick. We'll do it. We good? All right. A North Carolina man wielding a machete left a satanic message written in blood on a sorority house at East Carolina University on Sunday night, authorities said. Uh, officers responded to calls of a man armed with a machete walking in an area of Greenville in apparent distress, uh, ECU police said Monday. Uh, the man appeared to, appeared to have harmed himself and was using his own blood to smear messages on nearby vehicles and the sorority house, according to police. I think it's just cuts, lacerations, Captain Chris. Chris Sutton said of the ECU police, uh, he told uh, WITN-TV, nothing severed, uh, but enough to transfer blood onto a couple different surfaces where the individual wrote different messages believed to be satanic in nature, and some of the verbiage from some of the things he was saying was also believed to be sadistic in nature. So here we go. (laughs) I mean, tis the season, I guess. That. That script writes itself, my God. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> See, my, well, my, I, you know, Don, I, I always, you know, I'm not pro or con, but at the same time, I always tell my kids, you know, they're 21, 24, 25, and I've always lectured them, you know, if you want to be silly and hurt yourself, I'm okay with that, but don't be silly and hurt somebody else. Right. All right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like if you want to drive dunk, drunk because you're stupid, that's fine. Run off the road and kill yourself, but do not hurt somebody else. So. He didn't hurt anybody else. He just inflicted personal wounds. So I'm okay with that part. Okay. Thank thank goodness he didn't hurt somebody. That would have uh, agitated me. But you want to act silly with yourself. That's your prerogative. It's your body. Have a nice day. (laughs) See, I was leaning the other way. He's giving machete-wielding people a bad name because he's only gotten himself. No, I think he he probably jealous because he didn't get cast for the part. That could be. That could be. He's naked. Henry, you need to reach out to this person. I think they got some talent. You know, and he's probably one of the sanest people I'd ever meet compared to the showbiz people. So, probably because it's been seven years since you put a new film out. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll probably actually show up on time on set. Yeah, that would be nice. Which you know, is the be... important thing with independent film. It, it r- yeah, rarely really. happens. Look, I don't care that you're covered in blood. I don't care if it's yours or someone else's. What time is it? Okay, good. Yep, yep you're on. We can film this. <laughs> Uh, an Idaho man showed off his coordination and broke a Guinness World Record when he sliced through 40 thrown crab apples while juggling three knives. Uh, David Rush, uh, who has broken more than 150 Guinness records to promote STEM education, enlisted the help of a neighbor, Jonathan Hannon, to take on the record for the most apples sliced in one minute while juggling knives. Uh, the pair had to beat the goal of 36, which was set by Josh, Josh and Cassie Horton on the set of Live with Regis or Kelly and Ryan in 2018. Uh, Rush, who had been juggling since 2004, said he took 
a year uh, a year and a half of casual training and several weeks of serious preparation to get to the point where he could take on the record. Hannon threw 41 crab apples and the one minute period rush sliced through all but one setting the new record at 40. So that's talent with a blade right there. I think that was a waste of a year and a half. Because <laughs> you ain't going to retire off whatever you're going to get for doing that. So I'm not, <laughs> unless it was just a hobby, um, I'm just curious if he made his car payment. <laughs> it's 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 hard to say. It's hard because well, like I said, he he's broken 150 Guinness records, but it's all to promote STEM education. So I, you know, I, he may have. He may have money somewhere else that we don't know about, and this is just his hobby. I'm hoping. Are you talking STEM? You mean STEM cells? No, the science tech, science, science techno, uh, whatever it is, science, technology, uh, engineering, and mathematics. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that, well, that's STEM I, education. So. Yeah, I was thinking STEM cells when you said that. I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, that's that's something that's got some serious advancement. But here we go right back to real men use a machete, not an outback steak knife. <laughs> But he, he was juggling three of them, so that's I guess juggling isn't really that handy a skill compared I, I, to a machete. You ain't catch me juggling three apples, let alone three knives. But okay. <laughs> right, because all, well, all you need is one machete. Well, you know, I'm a little more conservative probably than him, but you know, again, if it's if 150 records, if he's a happy camper, that's all that counts. <laughs> there you go. All right, we'll see. We'll see if we can find one more. Just one more weird, creepy news story here. Let's see what we have. This, yeah, this one's this one's kind of messed up. Uh, just in time for Halloween, a new case report detailed the harrowing reason for an Australian woman's persistent headache: tapeworm larva. Uh, physicians, the new, uh, American Journal of Tropical Medicine and Hygiene, detailed the woman's case, believed to be the first case uh, of a locally acquired case of neurocystic cirrhosis. Uh, a parasitic disease that offer, that occurs when one accidentally ingests a, a, a pork tapeworm eggs. So oh, they got into her brain. Well, you know what, Henry? I don't know about you, but I ain't going to touch that one. I'm <laughs> mortified beyond belief. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Understandably so. <laughs> I, I hope he's okay, to be quite honest. I mean, that's pretty serious. That's, I mean, that definitely is wicked yeah yeah that's that's definitely not something you it's I, i'd take the machete any day before i would that kind of thing in my head right 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 so <laughs> that's scary all right well i think that's enough news stories <laughs> uh, but right right now uh, uh cj i'm going to give you a couple minutes if you have any social media you want to throw out there if you have anything you want to promote one last time like your event coming up in vegas this weekend i'm going to give you a couple minutes to do exactly that well I, you know i'm not a big self-promoter but you know I'm, I'm again i'm a I'm more humbled but yes i'm fortunate enough to be doing a days of the dead this coming weekend in las vegas uh, and the nice thing is Days of the Dead is also doing an event at the end of the month, Halloween in Indianapolis, that I'll be attending with Tom Matthews again and some other celebrities uh, for the Halloween weekend. So some of the cons are starting to come back online, so I'm happy for them. Uh, I do have a website, jason6.com, if anybody would like to reach out to me, and I do my best to get back to everybody. Um, the nice thing about it is it's a humbling experience. I'm very appreciative 
when fans reach out and I do try to do my best to get to everybody because I'm not here without the fans. When I do the shows, the one thing that I found uh, that I enjoy is talking to each one of the fans a little bit before you just sign an autograph and take a selfie. Uh, everybody has a question. I always answer the question as though it was the first time I've been asked the question. And the odds are I've been asked the question a few thousand times, but for that fan, it's the very first time. So you always want to make sure that you let them know, yeah, well, what's your favorite kill? You know what? My favorite kill is breaking the sheriff's back. Uh, however, people like to know what's your favorite kill. Uh, a good friend of mine, Kane Otter, you know, his favorite kill is a sleeping bag. It's kind of the same concept. There's no blood. There's no guts. Just breaking of bones, which takes a lot of power, a lot of force. A little different than tearing somebody's head off. Yeah. Uh, but so I get a chance to enjoy it. Next year, hopefully the Comic-Cons will come online. The horror cons, Monster Mania, Texas Frightmare, all the different uh, Crypticons and stuff will be out there for all the fans. One thing that I found, I will be honest, you know, Don and Henry, that the cool thing about these cons is they used to be just a horror con or convention. They become everything but horror. There are tattoo artists. There are people walking around in Donald Duck costumes, people walking around in Michael Myers costumes and anime costumes. And everybody is having a great time. I've never seen an event where there wasn't everybody enjoying themselves. And it's just such a nice crossover of folks having a good time. So these conventions have really become a social event for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. They're, they're a place to appreciate popular culture. Yes. Uh, more than culture. anything. Yeah, and and all yeah. an alternative culture at the same time, and and incredibly simpatico way. I've been doing conventions for uh, fifteen years, and I've definitely seen what you're talking about. It's incredible to see so many people from so many walks of life who have so many different fandoms all want to hang out, chill together, have a laugh, appreciate each other's costumes, appreciate each other's collectibles, everything. You know, and I I had a I had a young lady come up to me uh, this past year in 2019 to get an autograph. And I just arbitrarily, so what do you do this? Well, I'm going to frame it, put it behind my desk. I go, what do you do? Well, I'm a colonel in the United States Air Force. So I'm thinking I've got this colonel from the Air Force getting a picture of Jason autograph. She's going to put it behind her in her desk. Now, can you imagine being a soldier walking in to see your colonel and there's a picture of Jason behind <laughs> Twofold. Number one, it's kind of weird. But at the same time, it just kind of shows you there's such a close proximity of people that work in any job. I don't care if you're a politician. I don't care if you're a school teacher. I don't care if you're a race car driver. They all have this interesting love for horror. And it's kind of interesting when somebody says, Jason, I love Jason. And you're shocked that that person who you thought was strict suit and tie right by the book would even think of a horror movie, but they're totally infatuated by horror. And so it's a nice camaraderie between all the people, as you indicated, uh, Henry. It's a very good example. Yeah. Well, Henry, I'm going to give you a couple a couple minutes to do the same. I know you have some things you want to promote out there, so uh, take it away. Oh, definitely. Well, uh, first of all, uh, uh, my podcast uh, has been going strong for about a year as of this October. It's called Weekly Spooky. Uh, it is a horror short story narration channel. Uh, where you can hear a new story every single Wednesday. Uh, so check it out at weeklyspooky.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The episodes are 20 to 40 minutes a week, so you get a little bite of something scary, and this is the perfect season 
to get a bite of something scary. Uh, also, uh, several of my films are on Amazon Prime uh, and Tubi TV. Um, one of the big ones to to mention is Boggy Creek, the series, which Don, you have uh, yeah, I've heard of that so too. <laughs> uh, but Boggy Creek, the series, which is a six episode television series about uh, Boggy Creek, where the folk monster, the Sasquatch, lives. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime, free to watch with a membership. I directed and produced the uh, the whole series, and uh, I think people ought to head over there and binge watch it hard this October. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to thank you guys both for being on the show tonight. It's been great talking to you. It's been great catching up with you, Henrik, and great Pleasure. meeting you, CJ. Uh, uh, thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show. Like I keep telling you guys, if you're going to keep listening, I'm just going to have to keep making them. All right, have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you want to listen live, we are on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. You can also stream the show live at WWSU1069.org, and we go Facebook Live at the Life Radio Show's Facebook page. If you have suggestions or comments, feel free to email thelife1069 at gmail.com. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. Overwhelms me. Like Jason itself, it will not die. <laughs> <laughs>